Welcome to Critics on a Bus, your favourite film review podcast, with me, your host, Cameron. Hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, welcome to a new episode of Critics on a Bus. Apologise for the delay in this episode with illnesses and house moving. I've not got to this review as quickly as I'd like. But because of that, we've brought a very special guest on to review this movie, June. Um, the OG... Paul, welcome back, Paul. Everybody, Woo! <laughs> how are you uh, doing, Paul? Do you know what? You you could probably guess how I'm doing, but I, I I'm doing wonderfully. Oh, it, there it is. It feels good to say that again. It's good to be <laughs> back. It's good to be back. Welcome, welcome back. I I know, of course, you've been a great listener since um you took a step back from Critics on a Bus. So hopefully, you've been enjoying the new episodes and um. Of course, we had to have you back for for Dune, the Denise Villeneuve movie, um, <laughs> our great debate. <laughs> um, that is anything Denise Villeneuve. So you're excited to review Dune? I, I'm very excited. Uh, Cameron and I, we, we, we've done what we normally do with big films, and we haven't actually spoken to each other about anything uh, until this very moment so i genuinely have no idea what cameron thinks of this movie i definitely know what i think i know that there's this uh, historic tension here over denis villeneuve <laughs> particularly centered around the film arrival which which i love and which cameron does not love uh, to say the least so i'm i'm very excited i'm very interested to see where you stand on this film so what's even more impressive is, is Dune came out October 29th? Uh, yes, that sounds about right. You saw it pretty quickly. No, sorry, I think, I think it was a week earlier than that. I think it was um, it was October 23rd that it came out. October 23rd. Yeah. And you saw it pretty quickly after it came out. I did, I yeah, saw I saw it that like weekend. Yesterday, which was November 6th, so there's been quite a while mm-hmm. Um, between our viewings and so this is going to make for a really interesting kind of viewing because you've had a lot of time to think about this and I've had a, about a day. Hopefully that means that my thoughts are better developed. We will find out. Um, so before we get into our actual review this has a huge cast, a huge crew. Who who are the big names for us to look out for in this film Paul? It would be easier to just tell you who's not in this film. <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, it, it is a stacked cast, as they say, lots and lots of big names in there. So uh, the main character is Timothée Chalamet. Uh, it, you also will find Rebecca Ferguson, who plays his mum, Oscar Isaac, who plays his dad. You've got uh, Stellan Skarsgård. You've got um, uh, Dave Batista, you've got Jason Momoa, you've got Javier Bardem, you've got Josh Brolin, uh, you have Zendaya, you've got many, many big names in this film. I've probably forgotten a few, but almost everyone in this film have already has already kind of established themselves in, in, in some of the film and, and you recognise essentially everyone in this film. Yes, there is tons of people. It's also, of course, scored by Hans Zimmer. It is indeed. Um, the the greatest um, film composer of all time, in my who, opinion. Who uh, said uh, no thank you 
to Christopher Nolan to uh, for, for scoring uh, Tenet in order to score this film, which already says how much faith Hans Zimmer had in this project compared to Tenet. And I think that's going to come up later uh, in our, uh, Ooh, <laughs> in our okay, review. Okay. Just for some context for other people, um, Cameron quite mistakenly mistakenly <laughs> enjoy, enjoyed Tenet. Um, and I, I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as much as he did. So we had a bit of a... Can I just rebuttal that with Denise Villeneuve have <laughs> recently said that he thought Tenet was incredible and amazing. I was I was heartbroken by this uh, yeah. because I and thought... he genuinely said that it's not me kind of thinking yeah. it and it's on a podcast and everything it's recorded he loves Tenet. Uh, he might just be saying that because he's, you know, trying to be mates with uh, with Chris Vanilla. They did an interview together recently, and you know, you, you have to, you kind of have to say, right, don't you, that uh, that uh, his stuff is good. I bet he's lying. Um, <laughs> so we we'll see what we come to when we come to the music section of this. With that, it's been out for a while now. How has it done in the box office so far? It's done well, all things considered. I think in our kind of post-pandemic cinema world a film like this isn't doing as well as I think it would have done pre-pandemic it's still doing well it's managed to hit over 300 million um its budget is 165 million so it's almost doubled you know its budget and it's certainly making profit I think pre-pandemic this would have made more uh it's still out I would be surprised if it made it all the way to 400 million it'll probably settle somewhere around 350 but um but yeah over 300 million which which is is decent obviously which is very good i i just get the sense that it's that kind of post pandemic thing where it would have probably made a few hundred more million were it not for 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 kind of you know the times that we're in but it has made i don't know if if now's the time to bring it in but it's made enough um to justify a sequel so that's that's all it needed to do really in terms of box office as far as i'm concerned so yeah again we're discussing that in a little bit yes. because that's <clears throat> that's a topic um, yeah. i think it's quite controversial in my opinion yeah it's done well i think we have to readjust our expectations of film box office takings you know in, in a pre-covid world because they're just not going to be as high at the moment especially with the economy as is so 200 but, million is not bad at all yeah I mean, for yeah. context, The Greatest Showman made, I think it was roughly 450 million. And that was a huge film. La La Land as well was 400 and something <laughs> million. So, you know, I, that is still not bad takings, but but something with with a cast like this and with, um, you know, Hans Zimmer scoring with uh, as much hype and as much kind of love for the for the novel and, and, and previous incarnations of this, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think it would have made it would have made more what because you i've asked i always ask my guests to bring a, a fun fact about a film um whether we get to it or not sometimes but so do you have a fun fact your favorite fact about dune 2021 i have two fun facts uh one is the fact that denis Villeneuve read the book dune in his early teenage years and fell in love with it and has dreamt of making this film since kind of the beginning of his filmmaking career and there are hints to June throughout other films that he's made he often uses kind of deserts and that kind of sandy um, imagery and and kind of color palette um, as you can see in in kind of films like Sicario or Blade Runner 2049 uh, on some occasions 
So I, I just love the fact that this is a passion project and this is something that he's wanted to do for for a very long time. Um, the other just com completely random tidbit is that uh, the planet Caladan, where House of Trades uh, live, is filmed in Norway, which is just a fun, fun little fact. Norway getting used for filming quite a lot these days, used for Mission Impossible Fallout and, and a few other things. But Bond. yeah, Bond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, used for Bond. So uh, those are my fun facts. Cool. Thank you. So before we get into our big everything on the table review, I'm just going to summarize uh, maybe butcher it. You can you can correct me if I get anything that's wrong. Um, the just the film and acquire a spoil free way. So it focuses the film focuses on people a group of people called the House of Trades. Um, they're one of the great houses in the Imperium, and they are sent to Arrakis to mine spice, which is a powerful substance necessary for space travel. It also helps prolong life, um, etc. So it's a really valuable sub um, substance. So they are sent by the Ill very elusive Emperor to um, take over management of Arrakis and Mine Spice. Um, the film primarily follows Paul Atreides, who is Timothy Chalamet's character, as he battles with some of his inner struggles of identity, along with um, managing the political landscape and his desire to be something else, is what I think. The the house Harakan, another one of the main houses, acts as the main antagonist in this film. They were the previous tyrants of Arrakis, and they're seeking to regain their power and wealth in conflict for spice production. But there might be greater forces at play behind the scenes, and we'll have to find that out in part two. I feel like so, that's a, not a bad summary. No, that was good. Complex and, and, and kind of, you know, all, all the politics and intrigue being very difficult to kind of summarise. And that's that's something that has suffered from previously. There's been a TV show version, there's been a film version. <laughs> and, and it seems like everyone seems to struggle or anyone who tries to take on June seems to struggle to get it all into into one kind of coherent piece. So you've done a good job summarising. With that introduction all out the way, let's let's get into the film. Let's start reviewing June. It's a massive epic sci-fi fantasy and so i think that we have to start just in general just with the the plot and the story you mentioned just before that people struggle to get across on screen a lot of the political landscape and, and the scope of it i think denise also struggles in a big part Ooh. it's there's so much i feel don't get me wrong and don't come at me i've not read the book i've not read the source material so i don't know the ins and outs of of june and everything in there but i just feel there's there's a quite a lot probably missing in terms of political understanding about the houses why harkonnen was taken off um atrakis why um atreides is such a threat to the emperor you know and why he basically sends them to to um Ara arrakis to kill them it's like a death sentence in a way, you know, by by weaponizing Harkonnen. So yeah, it's it's it is grand and sweeping. It's kind of like this humongous kind of ocean liner almost that you're watching kind of slowly make its way across the sea. They're just so it, it's it's such a big world, and and you're kind of just sort of thrust into the middle of it uh, when when the film starts and when and when the book starts. And so there, there's there's this this deep kind of history there's obviously this expansive world that's been created this is taking place thousands of years after where we we're currently at so it, it is we are talking about you know humans and we're talking about the planet earth 
um, at one point in, in kind of June history. But we're talking about then, you know, humans having spread themselves across the galaxies for, for thousands of years. And so and there's there's a there's a rich history there. And for, for some reason, the universe has kind of reverted back to this kind of feudal system, basically. It's kind of medieval. You have houses and you have essentially kind of lords and um, you have lesser people in society and, and you have this kind of also kind of imperial element to it where, you know, certain areas are controlled by the houses, certain um, resources. And so it is it is a lot to then crack. Like it, 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 there, there is so much world there. And it and it's so I th- I think at least so well developed pr- prior to the audience kind of entering that it can be difficult to give enough kind of enough explanations enough exposition to make the audience feel like they're actually part of a story that that makes sense and 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 that you know where 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 kind of like the the rubber meets the road you know so so it's. It is. It's a lot to fit. And, and this is why June is kind of infamous in, in the filmmaking world. So you've got the, the film from the 80s. You've got another film that was meant to happen before that, but didn't because the director just couldn't seem to cram it all in. You've got a series which which was made like largely a failure. But it's June is huge and the world of June is huge. And trying to then get that into a film or, or two films is always going to be a challenge. So, so, so you don't reckon, you don't reckon at least that it was morphed enough into something understandable or kind of good enough in the in the form of the first film. It's difficult because I have to assume that a lot of it was true to the source material. I don't think necessarily they did enough to bridge the gap to new viewers, to mm-hmm. people who've read Dune. I feel like people who've read Dune is probably less than people who've read Lord of the Rings, for example. No one talked about Dune until they announced the movie was being made. And I was like, oh, Dune. And so I feel like at times the decision might have been made to just go, they might catch up at some point. Although read the book and this will make sense. (laughs) And, you know, whilst that can be a good thing and sometimes it can also be really confusing for some people. And so I just feel like some part of the film you're going, what's going on? Some part of the film you were like you were up to speed and you understood it. It's di- it, and it's difficult to pinpoint whether that's entirely. I don't because I don't think it's entirely good or bad that decision. Mm. I just think yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I, I'm a bit conflicted. I I feel like I, I just need to kind of put my cards on the table. So so I I, I really enjoyed I I really enjoyed June. I I had ex- expectations that were that were way too high, way too high uh, for this film. <laughs> But I feel like when it comes to June, my issue is that it it cuts off so abruptly, and oh. I f- <laughs> and I will come. I'm sure we'll come to that. But but I feel like it's very difficult to judge as a film because it feels like half a film. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a two parter or kind of an instalment. It feels like half a film, right? It it, it it's. It doesn't have your normal kind of, you know, act structure. There is something of a climax then, but it's it's hardly a climax. And it cuts off almost almost seemingly in the middle of a scene. Like I, I expect that they're literally just gonna pick up from that exact same scene in um the next film. Uh, they better not do like a three month time jump where they're all like <laughs> We'll see, we'll see. But the thing is is it, it makes it for me very difficult to judge. It's like someone's uh, said, what do you think of this song? 
and they've shown me half of the song and I've listened to half of it and then it's cut out and say, so what do you think? I say, well, I, I would say, you know, I, I, I need to listen to the rest of the song. And with June, I mean, there's there's going to be another instalment. It's been confirmed. I, I would imagine it's going to be no shorter than two and a half hours, probably breaching three, maybe even over three. And then what I would want to do is I'd want to consider that five, six hour kind of two film you know, thing as as one entity, and I'd want to then think about that as its own thing. I, I, but the thing is, is that I'm glad that June is being done this way. Like I, because I feel like doing it as a TV series, you're not going to get the cast, you're not going to get the budget. It's not going to be as 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 sweeping, and and, and the visuals aren't going to be as good, and 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 it's not going to be as professional. But equally, having it be one film is too much to cram into one film having it be three films it might be thread to uh, spread kind of too thinly like the hobbit so unfortunately we're we're stuck with it as a as a two-parter where it it probably is just best as a one long parter but no one's you know no one's going to go to a five six hour film so i i want the second half to come out and and then i want to really kind of you know assess and 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 kind of collect my thoughts on on the whole thing but it is did you feel that do you feel the ending was quite abrupt yeah i feel i was a bit like oh they've really done nothing <laughs> at this point in the film <laughs> and i said in my in we share this same criticism by the way in my defense when i came to the cinema i was like this film will either pay off or flop in the next installment exactly it's all part about one the next will only be good if part it's yeah. kind of like infinity war Right. Infinity War was only going to be great if Endgame was great. Right. Um, they they have to work together, and I think my concern is that Warner Brothers didn't commit to part two straight away. Right. I, I read an article about this in terms of if they committed to part two, they could have filmed it back to back. Would have meant cheaper production, cheaper cost overall for film production, greater continuity in visuals, aesthetic, production, acting, you know, appearances, everything. Um, you could have then done it part one 2021 part two 2022 yeah <clears throat> instead we're looking at two maybe three years wait for mm-hmm. part two that to rehire all the actors which are the, are the success of june one can then negotiate greater salaries get you know you might risk say a different cinematographer coming on so the aesthetic of the film could be different could look different the visual palette yeah. ha- you know hans Zimmer will do it again because he loves june the reason he turned down tenet is because he 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 is a fanboy of June the book. That's the reason, is it? Okay. That's the reason he turned down. <laughs> the fact that they they didn't commit to part two again, I think it's just more Warner Brothers are just kind of a bit rubbish at you know creating worlds at the moment. Um, they're not they don't have they don't have the belief in themselves, and they don't have and they, they I don't think that meant they had the necessary belief in Denise to make this film. Like they greenlit it on a worry on like oh people will go see it because it's June. If it flops, we can just cancel it. And it's like one of those awful films. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, it, it it feels like half a story. And because you don't know where they're going, my wife would use the same criticism for Lord of the Rings, for example, in, in the Fellowship. She's like, why? They've not, they've not done anything. But you know where they're going. You know they've got to get to Mount Doom, right? So you know where that journey's taking them. You know where the ultimate goal is. Here, you're not necessarily sure if the ultimate goal is just to free Arrakis, to become emperor, basically to sleep his way to the top, do something else like what is the end game for paul atreides house atreides has fallen you know the the harkonnen and the emperor's army some word 
have attacked Arrakis after the Hasidrides took over control on Imperial Decree, sorted them all because they've got a traitor. Hasidrides has fallen. Paul and his mother, who I, who they didn't explicitly say until the very end, was the concubine of the Lord. Yeah. Of Lord Trump, not the wife. And uh, I always yeah, assumed yeah. it was the wife for a long no, time. No, 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 yeah, concubine. Yeah. Um, and she had a lot of power and influence in the house. Yeah. Considering she was a concubine. You know, and this whole kind of like savior complex that she's got over her son. I, I want to go into that because I um, think that's one of the best bits of the film. But um, but yeah. <laughs> but not quite. Is it just the Arrakis savior complex or is it the whole universe savior? Like is. So. so this, Which uh, savior this, is he meant to be? Yeah. No, this is a good. This is a good question. So. So. Ah, because this, this these are the bits of of, of Dune that I really enjoy. So just just to comment real quick, just just to wrap up on the on the kind of one two parter thing. So I understand why Warner Brothers didn't commit because Blade Runner twenty forty nine it at least made profit, but it it wasn't big at the box office. And Denis Villeneuve is a very you know artsy philosophical director and that doesn't always kind of hit well with with audiences and i understand why they were then perhaps dubious when it comes to june because you know he could go more kind of blade runner 2049 style if they give him you know some artistic freedom then it doesn't make enough money and then you know they've already committed to a sequel and that might you know tank so i i i get from a studio perspective why they did that but like you say it is it is a big shame because the i feel like this can only hurt the second film. I feel like they still it's still possible for them to pull it off, but it's just going to be that that much more difficult than if you know if they had like you say that continuity. If they had just kept the same people, if they have done back to back, you know it would have been a long you know shooting schedule and it would have been quite grueling and it would have been a big monetary commitment. But it, I think it would have paid off. And now in hindsight, now that they've greenlit you know part two, it just seems silly that now we have to wait so long and it seems silly that now, like you say, they're going to have to rehire everyone. They're going to have to, you know, um, try and, and, and go back to those locations and, and, and recreate that same aesthetic. I have faith that they can do it, but they've kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit, but I, but I understand why, because Villeneuve is not, you know, he's not Michael Bay. He's not just going to kind of do stuff that pleases the audience and makes a bunch of money. He is going to do what he feels is best artistically. And that might not always be what's popular, so I, I get it and I get all of that. When it comes to the whole kind of where is this going, I I actually quite liked the open-endedness. I, I like the fact that if someone hasn't read June, that they, they, they have had all of these hints, they've had all of these little, you know, dream sequences and they've had all these uh, you know, they've 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 got the whole scene set. Atreides has fallen. The Emperor seems like he's against Atreides. We're not sure why. And there's this whole saviour thing going on with Paul. And I kind of like that. I like that you do, you assume that he's going to do something with the Fremen, that they're going to kind of, you see him kind of fighting for the Fremen. You see him with the blue in his eyes from the Spice Melange. And so you assume that he's going to integrate with the Fremen and that they're going to then start kind of what's probably going to be something of a holy war. But you're not sure how far that's going to go. You're not sure um, whether it's going to go all the way up to the emperor. You're not sure exactly what's going to happen with the Harkon and um, with Arrakis itself. And I quite like that open-endedness. Just to, just a point on the whole saviour thing. Well, first of all, a criticism. I felt like with like with Tenet, I struggled sometimes to hear the dialogue. I don't know what it was like in, in your cinema, but at some points the score was so overbearing that I couldn't hear what they were saying. Did you experience that problem as well? 
Yeah, when the um, Rebecca Ferguson's, Ferguson's character was first whispering her fear chant when yes. Paul was getting tested, and you're like, is this really important? What she's saying? There's there's a lot of times when yeah, the the sound mixing wasn't of the best quality. It suffered from Tenet. Maybe it's got the same sound mixer. Who knows? Who um, knows? But yeah, there's sometimes the score is way too overbearing over dialogue. So yeah, that's a that's a that's a film problem, not a cinema problem. Exactly, and and I kind of when I was there, I was kind of wishing that there were subtitles or something at the very least, because I the, the, with a with a with a film that's so you, you're so reliant in June on what the characters say because that's how you find out more about the world, and the world is so huge that you need everything you can get to understand it. And I and again, like with Tenet, Tenet, you needed the dialogue to understand what's going on. And I and I, I, it was just a shame to me that it wasn't always clear what they're saying. But for those who didn't pick up on it, there's a few things going on here with this whole savior thing. Right. So, for example, Paul himself is the result of years and years and generations of selective breeding, essentially, by this group that the, the, the Bene Gesserits. Uh, this group that Lady Jessica, his mum, is is involved in, and and they are this kind of shady, um, immensely powerful kind of group that try and pull strings, but but from from the background, and so they have been, like I say, selectively breeding for specific kind of genetics to try and create a savior, essentially. So it's like a genetically engineered savior, and they reckon that Paul might be might now be that saviour. But not only that... Sorry, continue. Is, is, he wasn't planned, though. Lady, the Lady Jessica right. bred him against the wishes of the Bene Gesserit. Right, but, but he is part Atreides, part Bene Gesserit, and so he can use things like the voice, but he's also got links to, you know, noble houses, and so he's well-positioned. So it's kind of a, a good sort of happy coincidence that he's come about perhaps not coincidence but not only that so on arrakis they have these prophecies right they have all of these beliefs about a savior but and this happens in the conversation that paul has with lady jessica as they land on arrakis and as, as he's asking why are these people you know looking at me why what is all this stuff they're talking about what are these little books that they've got but but the the jesuit group have been kind of doing a little bit of almost inception with the people of Rackets. They've kind of been planting these ideas and these kind of prophecies. So, and this is why June is so amazing as a story and as a world is that you've got things that you see in other stories, the idea of a chosen one and the idea of prophecy being fulfilled, but it's also got that kind of scientific backing background to it where it's not just, you know, whatever, everyone gets this revelation and then and you know and then the chosen one appears it's it's kind of the chosen one has been the very idea of a chosen one and the chosen one himself has been created by this very shady kind of group in the background and i think that's just such a fascinating take and to be fair that's that's that doesn't get across as well in the film as it could but it's something that a lot of people loved about the books and love about the story but i i just i think that's something a lot of people would have missed because of the dialogue and because of the sound mixing issues but i think that that's just such a fascinating concept do you is that not fascinating this idea of kind of like a like a incepted messiah as opposed to just kind of like a more religious one i mean it is i don't necessarily think it's unique and i don't know if 
the book Gene came with it first over anything else. Like I said, I feel like it'll pay off in the second film or not. Yeah. Because in one of the visions that he has, where he talks about, you know, he joins the Fremen and, you know, takes takes on the Imperium. I'm kind of like, oh, what if... Because you've also got to think, Atreides aren't the good guys in this film. No. They are... No, no, no they're not, yeah. They're just another house. They're, they're just another the house. Like, another kind of tyrannical set of rulers. Yeah. They're just not as violent as Harkonnen. So, like, they're not necessarily good guys we're following. And I, I think that's also... I don't think everyone would necessarily pick up on that. I think that's quite, like, a subtle thing of, like, no, these are these are oppressors. Yeah. The Fremen own the world. The Imperium have come in, taken over, and this is the next group of forced government. And so what I'm hoping maybe is a thing is that, in essence, when this holy war breaks out, when they use the Fremen, their abilities, his powers to free Arrakis which I assume is the first goal and from the visions go on further and do other things like that they could become an evil dominant force their lives within especially the the Fremen society that kind of sense of power and authority and we're not necessarily seeing good people freeing the galaxy from tyranny we're seeing people wanting to reclaim their power and so I'm quite interested in my, I, might, I might be completely wrong, but I'm quite interested in, in essence that we might not be watching a bunch of good guys fight bad guys. So very already considering the houses and the, and the power play there, it's already grey lines because you're already looking at tyrants versus tyrants. You know, uh, absolutely. And and there's allusions to that in <laughs> in um, one of the uh, visions that the dreams that that Paul has, where him and uh, Zendaya. I, I don't know whether I couldn't tell whether her character's name is pronounced Hani or Chani. But anyway, it's spelled C H A N I. I'll just go English and call her Chani. But um, but there's 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 him and her looking almost looking quite kind of evil, and there's kind yeah. of this om- ominous music shit. in the background. Yeah, the kind of looking at yeah, yeah, as if they are some new kind of tyrannical rulers, like you say. But 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 yeah, this 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 isn't kind of yeah classic. Is, this isn't Star Wars, you know. This isn't good versus bad. This isn't light versus dark. This is, you know, this is great. You, yeah, exactly. O- Oscar Isaac, you know, um, kind of Duke Leto. He's nicer than the other tyrants, but he's still a tyrant. He still come in and said, "Look, this is now ours. We're going to, you know, mine this stuff and and and, and sell it." The Emperor said, "We have to be here." So, you know sorry and he's trying to mend relationships with the firm and he's trying to kind of you know show that he's nice by by helping people escape from the sandworm and, and, and whatever but at the end of the day it's kind of like um he reminds me of benedict cumberbatch's character in 12 years a slave where it's like he's very nice to the slaves but he's still a slave owner so uh, you know that so, and so it's a similar thing going on there and paul himself obviously has inherited that kind of you know that um imperial mindset and that's slowly getting undone when he's with the fremen but then again you know the fremen as much as they are indigenous people trying to win their land back like you say they they look like they have that capacity to just kind of become equally tyrannical or equally kind of warmongering and and and, and so i like it I, I i and i like that i like that vibe i like that 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 it's not just good versus bad i think that that was a strength of the film and, and of the story Personally. let's talk about the acting okay the cast i <laughs> i think it's a little stilted 
to be honest with you. Really? I think... No. I think no, surely Timothy not. Chalamet has, like, two emotions the entire film. I think he was a bit too emotionless. I think, the, I think in general, a lot of the cast... Bar Jason Momoa, who does not look good with that beard, let's be real, really struggled in portraying any sort of emotion and kind of real connection to it. I strongly disagree. So basically, <laughs> so, I, look, look, I, I, Paul as a character is is very serious. Right. And that's the other thing as well. This film has very little humour. It's a very, very serious. Film, yeah. I, I, it? I, it's not humour that I'm thinking. No, no, no. I I think that I think that Timothy Chalamet does a, does an excellent job. I I feel like he has that sense of that, that 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 seriousness, that kind of like brooding kind of thing going on there. I feel like the scene where he puts his hand in the box and has to experience the pain. I feel like he conveys the pain very well, just using his his face. You know, uh, I. I feel like he he feels like someone who has weight, who has gravity to him, someone who ha- does have perhaps a sense of a sense of mission and and, and um, someone who is internally kind of confused and trying to work out his his place in the world. But someone who is also strong willed and, and who, who is skilled and and and. And someone who is quite stoic, actually. I think a lot of the people in this film are quite stoic. They kind of, they push down their emotions because they have to lead or they have to do whatever. And and I, I enjoy that. I I feel like he does feel like a saviour-like character. You know, he's he, not as in like a Jesus-like character, but as in like a Messiah-like character in terms of, you know, he he does feel like someone who could then go on to to lead and to and and to start a, a revolution i i that that thing that you were talking about that it, you can't hear the the sort of chant that she was doing how you know fear fear i must not fear fear, fear is, is the mind, mind. Fear, yeah fear yeah the mind. and when all the fear is gone only i will remain and all of that i i like that and i like i feel like paul atreides as, as, as the character kind of personifies that he he's trying not to fear he's trying to be strong trying to lead and I feel like Timothy Chalamet did a good job. I've I've got that's a really long piece there just on uh, on uh, Timothy Chalamet and, and 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 Paul as a character. But 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 so you disagree? You think it was just a bit too a bit uh, yeah, too? Yeah, I find I find it difficult to connect with him or root for him or be on his side because I just felt he was always just a bit one face, a bit you know. Most of his emotions were exactly the same one. I think like Oscar Isaac probably did the most in terms of. And Rebecca Ferguson probably led led that kind of change, and you know they they actually had emotions and they they portrayed it pretty well. Um, and Jason Momoa because it's just Jason Momoa, and I don't think the yeah, he wasn't he wasn't showing. Even, he wasn't playing yeah. Duncan Idaho. He was just playing Jason Momoa. He was just <laughs> yeah. He was just... Um, I, I do also think that <clears throat> that we talked about the size of the cast also detracts a little bit because it always felt like who's next. Next up on June, you'll see Javier Bardem, or there's always kind of like the next big name will appear. And it, I disagree it, with that on this one it as was well. Very kind of, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of people, and sometimes you kind of got, who's that? Oh, okay. Like you were always interested in the next big name because the cast was so huge. And I get that, you know, if there's that many characters, sure. But sometimes it felt a bit more like, guess who? You know, I thought that that was going to be a problem. And there, there is such a thing, obviously, as, a, you know, overcrowded casts. I feel like, so I feel like I have reasons for why I, I, I disagree. So so first of all, I think, I think when it comes to like big cast, I feel like it's more of an issue when they aren't perhaps... 
the main character. So, for example, 1917, incredible film. Recently watched a video on it that kind of rekindled my love for it. Incredible, virtually flawless. One of the flaws, though, for me with the film is that there were checkpoints throughout the film where it was like, okay, who's the next big British actor? You've got, yeah. got Mark Strong, you know, um, you've got Benedict Cumberbatch. And it's kind of like, it was like you were getting to the different, and, and that for me is is where big cast can kind of detract. With this, this was kind of like what Syndrome says in The Incredibles. I feel like it was a case of, well, when everyone's super, no one will be. I feel like because the, because everyone was huge in this everyone no matter how big or small of a role they played in this they were you know established massive a-list hollywood actors i feel like that then just i didn't think oh look it's so and so i just thought okay everyone in this is huge so it kind of meant that no one in it was huge almost because it was just kind of you know this is the cast. I don't know. I, does that does that make sense? Are you? Uh, it does. Do you I, I, that do, I do understand what you're saying, but I also think that it means that there's no necessarily in terms of the acting. There's there's no real standout performances because you've got such talent in the in the pool. Yeah, I know. And no one's no one really is therefore able to get the screen time to do your, to do a breakaway performance. You're not going to go, wow, that's an incredible like I've I've been lost in their performance. It's an incredible piece of acting because they. Like Zendaya has what seven minutes? I think I read somewhere seven minutes screen time. Yeah, I don't know why she was pummeled in marketing because she's hardly in the film. <laughs> right, it's you know. a big name, isn't it? But, <laughs> but there's other big names in there. I guess no, she's the true. one free enough to do it. Um, oh, did you not? Did you not feel Timothee Chalamet's performance? I feel. I feel like to be honest, if if anyone actually portrayed you know emotion and actually really kind of exercised their acting muscles, I th- I think it was Jessica Ferguson as 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 Lady Jessica. She she portrayed a number of different emotions she wasn't she and and the relationship between her and 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 you know paul was not the central relationship because there's so much going on but but if there were a central relationship it it, it was that um i feel like she conveyed the most emotion on screen mm-hmm. but i i don't know i just really like this whole timothee chalamet brooding kind of you know looking into the distance extreme close-ups kind of on his eyes as he kind of then you know go like starts to have you know one of these dreams or the spice starts to affect him i don't know this this kind of this sort of confused brooding young man thing i don't know it just i for, for me it worked i don't know i i, I for me it worked it's allowed it is subjective it is subjective i don't necessarily criticize constantly the ever-present visions were ever-present a lot of the time you're saying that again a, like it's an issue what's the issue because they're ever-present i don't so know again i much, don't know too, too many visions was it for you too many, i don't i don't necessarily again i don't know if that's really true to the source material i don't i can't speak for the book so you know it might be that the book is riddled with constant visions and you know you get five minutes here vision five minutes there vision five minutes here vision it felt a bit kind of every other scene was a vision at some point there, there was a lot of them and you know if yeah, that yeah. again I, I i i can't say for the book so if that was the case fine but if that wasn't the case they threw way too many visions in there on a constant basis and because it, it can make it a bit confusing because not all of them are true so he had the because they the abstract visions sometimes if you consider the ending when he has to fight that um, Freeman to the death, yep. 
but it's the one he has a vision of te- that's like I'll teach you the ways of the sand and mm-hmm. and how to other people and it's and he has a vision of him dying in the yeah. fight but it's because like the voiceover said you to get to take life you've got to kill yourself sort of thing and by fighting him he's learning how to be fremen and you know becoming part of the society and so the the visions were almost too obvious of a red herring sometimes mm. i feel like some people and i did this in a few a few occasions spent too long looking for the oh that's a scene from the vision mm-hmm. rather than understanding its meaning until too late mm. yeah look i i, I... The, the the visions were done sometimes in a way I like, sometimes in a way I didn't like. I I I like the idea of visions more generally. I'm curious whether whether part of the reason why there were so many was kind of like a please stay with us for for part two. Uh, <laughs> this is what's coming up, <laughs> like you know, or like this what's this is what could be coming up if you're willing to come and pay for it. But but like you say, the the visions were confusing because of course you know. Um, in some cases they aren't fulfilled or like you say they're kind of more symbolic you know and 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 i think that that i feel like narratively where the film did struggle was was weaving the visions into into uh the story but then also getting across to the audience that you know they might not always reflect reflect reality or if they do it's in a in a non-literal sense that being said i feel like part of for me one of the strengths of the films was that that mystery element to it i feel like there is kind of this mysterious as well as almost slightly mystical element to the whole thing right so 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 you've got these prophecies you've got this messiah and you've got these visions that 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 he's having and and all and all the you know the prophecy and, and, and everything and i i i liked that it was slightly mysterious i i i like that i wasn't quite sure exactly what was going to happen i i, I like that i still don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the next one i you, the film starts with kind of a i i think it might be one of the harkonnens is it the harkonnens where the guy does kind of like the 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 chant that's this really kind of low kind of thing um i don't know how to describe that without just mimicking it but anyway but but there's kind of one of these in some language in in the world of dune at the beginning you hear this sort of sound and then you get kind of underneath it it says that dreams are messages from the deep mm-hmm. and and i feel like this had that kind of dreamlike quality to it at some point where paul is trying to work out what's going on and he doesn't quite understand it and and you get these visions i, I you know i i just i i, I love that and I, I feel like that all was all part of the feel of the film as well as the whole aesthetic as well had this kind of dreamlike quality one of my favorite shots in the film was when um paul has kind of like snuck to, to uh the spaceship of of the jesuits jesuits um and lady jessica speaking with uh the lead whatever jesuit lady and then it's revealed that he was there the whole time, but there's kind of like sand like in the air and it's got this, it's creating almost kind of like this mist around him and he's like stood there and like there's this like sort of dreamy kind of, I don't know, I I feel like I'm I'm rusty these days when it comes to podcasting. I feel like I'm not quite <laughs> actually putting words on what I'm, what I, the, the, the point is, is I liked it. I liked the, I liked the dreams. I liked the visions. 
I like the feel of all of that. Did you not at least feel that? I don't know. Did you? It, some of the, the some feel. of them were really good and some of them yeah. really effective. I just felt at times they were too frequent and this the symbolism was wasn't symbolic enough. Okay. I think sometimes the symbolism was so subtle you're looking for actual scenes and so right. you're kind of looking for where's this going to happen instead of oh it just meant this. Yeah. I just so, but again you know they could have taken some creative liberty in, in changing that up. But with with your description of that scene, one of the good, the strong strengths, and it's a decent film of strength, I think, is the visuals yeah. and the look of a film. He is always supported by great cinematographers and makes great looking films that always very much fit the aesthetic of a film. And Dune is one of those. I think I personally felt the production value was really high on this film. The The visuals, the blend of, you know, there was times where I was like, that probably is CGI. I don't know what's real and what's not real. I think it was a real big, visually pleasing film. And I think that is probably one of, if not the the biggest strength of the film is visually, it's very enjoyable. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> I think that is, that is probably the main strength of the film. I think visually it is absolutely stunning. It's 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 just unbelievably stunning, and and I was expecting nothing less from Denis Villeneuve, having watched his his other films. He's mm. a a visual director, and I don't mean like that in terms of the way someone might describe Zack Snyder as a visual director, because he's not. Um, but it, it's it is just visually outrageously beautiful, and it and, and and everything the aesthetic is just so kind of consistent. All of those kind of like sandy kind of tones, all of the on location stuff, the CGI in terms of the the, the ships and all of that is virtually flawless. Yeah, it's, it's got probably one like, of the best like yeah. sci-fi CGI's I've seen. Not not like oh that's really that's really cgi apart from the only the only scene where it fails entirely is in a vision where he's fighting for the freeman in this like mechanical <laughs> suit and like it's so badly cgi when like timothy chalamet's face that's so not timothy chalamet that's his cgi face and someone else yeah that is the only time you're like that, because but because it's so cgi and not as flawed as the rest of it, you kind of go oh it's in the trailer that scene specifically yes. is in the trailer as well you're like the, the, whole... the rest of the film like, yeah that, that whole... one scene is the only flaw in, in a virtually visually flawless film yeah it is it's got that slight kind of um strangeness about it visually that that um that little scene even just the way that the fighter jumps and rolls about and then the way the suit sort of hangs on the fighter and then like you say when the when the visor sort of opens up it that that whole thing does there's something off about that and your eyes haven't quite been tricked well enough with that one um it's not awful it's not yeah there is much much worse cgi out there but like you say it does stick out like a sore thumb because the rest of the film is virtually flawless including the dragonfly you know helicopter ships which i think are are glorious everything the sand the, the 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 world itself i absolutely loved the the buildings and the parades and the i i loved Arrakis. I love the main city. I love the thickness of the doors, and I loved all of the carvings on the doors and how they looked like they'd been there for ages, and 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 the way the light kind of came into that, and 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 the rusty kind of metal. Like, oh, it was all just visually just an absolute treat. Even even just that scene at the beginning where where you know he puts his hand in the box, 
the room and the darkness of the room and the carpet and the this like everything is just visually just a, a masterpiece and that's something that most people are complimenting about it that's what that's what a lot of people are saying about it they're saying look visually it doesn't get any better than this it's yeah. you know and and it that is a marvel but Denise is always a style of a substance. Is he always? Is he always? He, that is he. In, in <laughs> two of the three, two of the four films of Denise I've watched. Well, maybe two and a half, because I feel in a it, because this is half a film. I feel like this does kind of have a bit more style of a substance, but I I would attribute that a bit more to Warner Brothers' fault than his in this instance in June, because I I re, I'm really worried that. They're going to struggle to bring back this production value to June part two because they because they have to redo all of this and have to recommit to all of this. And so, yeah, I'm concerned. But in Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, for for particularly its style over substance, 99 percent of the film is style. It is is style and substance. That is Villeneuve's way. Villeneuve, Villeneuve, he he gives you everything, and the visuals are kind of like a cherry on the top. But like, but in this film, there is there is so many establishing shots. There are like, a lot. There's, there's a lot of establishing shots. We don't there need are... that many. Do we not? No, because <laughs> we we need a bit more. That's what I really struggled with. Is I didn't connect with Paul. I didn't. I, I'm not about to be like, yeah, kill him. I'm not there with I'm with his journey because you know he's the focus of the film he's the chosen one or whatever you want to say he's now of the fallen house of Trades, etc etc but I'm not with him I'm not committed to his cause I don't know what his cause is I don't know and whilst that that mystery is great it's difficult for me as an audience member to connect myself with his journey if I don't understand it because no, I sometimes it. I feel like he prioritized that style over that emotional connection. No, um, I get look, look, I, 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 the thing is, is I, I went into, so there are certain films that I just, I, I fall kind of head over heels for and I come out of them just absolutely buzzing. Right. La La Land was one of those for me. 1917 was one of those. La La Land. Yes. Um, even Parasite for me, I came out and I was just like, wow, I, I'm, I'm completely blown over. I was hoping that that's what this would be, but for me, it was it was a tentative kind of. I very much enjoyed this. Let's see where this goes, but it it was it was flawed, and I I, I agree with you. I I connect I, I connected with Paul as a character, but not as much as I was expecting, mm-hmm. and I, I I feel like he I I think he was a better character than perhaps you think he was, which is fine, but I. I, I get you. I'm not saying that I, it's not one of these we completely disagree. I completely see where you're coming from. And I I, I <laughs> wished I connected with him more as a character. And I, I and there are things about this film that I wish were slightly better. But also for me, 90% of my issues with this film are simply, I just don't, I, I want to see the second half and then I feel like I can judge it. But, but, but I get you, you know, there wasn't necessarily that connection. Could that have been down to the fact that there was more of an emphasis on the aesthetic? Maybe, um, maybe. I, I, the the aesthetic was exceptional, and like you say, there were it, there were lots of establishing shots. There were lots of kind of slow 
shots, which I mean, that's what Villeneuve is known for. But long, slow shots, that's something that he's he's kind of known for. And I, I, I like that. I like just kind of settling into that. But I can understand how that would get perhaps a bit, you know, exhausting um, at certain points. Yeah, especially when I feel like it could be at the expense of some context that could have been greatly helped. Yeah. Um, with that, then, just a last little bit on the on the music of Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to the score today throughout the morning. We've already talked about the sound editing issues. Yes. The score is lovely, but it's very, actually it's actually quite ironically when you listen to it, you're set, isolated. It's very quiet. It's very subtle. As a, as a as a as a soundtrack and it's just interesting that in the film it's a bit too much this is exactly my thing with the score i feel like i enjoy it more just listening to it by itself i feel like its application in the film was where i had a few issues yeah that's like i feel like as a score itself I think it's really interesting. I love the use of drums. I love the use of kind of almost like Arabic kind of chanting and singing. It has this. <laughs> exactly. I loved, I, I feel like it has this kind of Middle Eastern, almost kind of Islamic vibe, which the, which the story itself mm-hmm. does. And I feel like just listening to it by itself, I feel like it's wonderful. I feel like it was a bit overbearing at times in the film itself. Which is ironic because, like you say, I feel like a lot of the soundtrack, when you actually listen to it, is quite subtle. But in the film itself, I feel like it was a bit blaring. It was a bit too much. It was a bit too loud. It was a bit too overbearing. It was overshadowing kind of dialogue and, and whatnot. So, again, it was it's not the soundtrack itself, I don't think, but it's it's yeah how it's used in the film. I'm glad we agree there, and I'm glad it's yeah. not just me who thought that. No, 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 100%. 100% agree um, there. So, with that, mm-hmm. we now have a returning segment yes. of, you ready? Paul's Critics Corner! <laughs> right, so here we go, here we go. So, June is doing very well when it comes to critics. It's currently an 8.2 audience score on IMDb, which is obviously just incredibly respectable. Um, that will reduce over time. It will probably settle somewhere around a 7.8, 7.9, I would imagine, because it normally drops a few points as time goes on. But that's based on a quarter of a million reviews. So, you know, it's it's somewhat settled there at 8.2. Uh, it has a 74 Metacritic score, which, for context, is the exact same score as Inception. So you've always got to take Metacritic with a pinch of salt, but anything over 60 is respectable. And so 74 is is obviously very solid. Um, it's a certified fresh 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, and it is a 90% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which obviously is 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 very respectable. It's got a five star review from Empire, um, which is obviously something that we look out for. It's do, it's doing well with a few caveats. Some people don't, uh, some people aren't rating it, but 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 on the whole, it's 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 the critics are are really really enjoying it. With that, what do we, as our critics, rate it? You can go first. What do you, how are you, summarise your thoughts and give me your rating for June. So I I really enjoyed June. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. I feel like my feelings about it are completely contingent on what happens in part two. It feels weird even in giving it a score. But what I think it did well was, I think it established the world very well. It created a believable 
a believable world that feels like it's been around for a long time. It was visually stunning. The score was good, but but a bit misapplied. I personally thought the performances were, were very good all across the board, and I'm intrigued by the character of, of Paul. I like the themes in it. I like the religious themes in it. I like the political themes in it. I, I on the whole, enjoyed it, but it is somewhat flawed and it is strange because of how abruptly it ends it feels like half a film so because of all of that i find it very difficult to give it a score i find it very very difficult and even now i'm flittering between different numbers in my head i'm somewhere between a high seven and a low eight i feel like it's probably only fair to to say a seven point nine I think I think for me seven so it, it is very good. I very much did enjoy it, but and that score could go up if the second half is really good, and if I feel like the continuity is really good, and I just consider the whole thing as just one five six hour epic, in the same way that some people think of Lord of the Rings as you know, in some senses you know a one big entity. Yeah, it, that score could go up, but I think if I'm just being honest. I was expecting it to be a 9.9, but instead it came through with with about a a 7.9. So uh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? When we have you back on to review June part two, um, we'll do an overall review. Yeah. Um, Okay. All right. So um, for me, I thought June was good. Nowhere near as good as people thought or make it out to be. I thought visually it was a, a delight, really well, like, pleasing film to watch i felt that it was a sci-fi epic it really was a, a sci-fi epic and um, you know we'd even discuss things like um Stellan Sargas um as baron Harakin. yeah I, I feel like um, we've we've barely even scratched the surface because it is just so much it's so yeah. much to fit into one film but but yeah i yeah Stellan Skarsgård was great he was very menacing he was kind of the main villain yeah, there, there, there is so much. To say. So we haven't got to everything. We but... didn't even discuss the worm. We didn't even discuss the sandworm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that'll probably play a bigger part in part two. So we can yeah. talk about sandworms then and its potentially recognition of Paul in the very end. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, I think that some of the acting was a little stilted. I think that its audience engagement was pretty low and that its sound was was all over the place really. It really suf- suffered I think with sound mixing. It clearly tried to emulate Tenet in that regard. It's just the wrong thing to emulate with a Christian, Christian <laughs> movie. So whilst it was enjoyable, it was interesting, it was epic, you know, and it's there's very few ori- like original air quotes original sci-fi epic films that there are, you know original ideas out there, and so this was something interesting, something new. But it it's not a complete film. It just stops out of nowhere. I kind of expected it to go dark and then it to pick up a scene a little bit later, and it just came up with the credits. And so it's an unfinished piece, and it entirely relies on part two, which. I'm disappointed in Warner Brothers for not greenlighting before they finished filming. So with all of that in mind, I'm just going to give it a seven. It scrapes, scrapes, it scrapes a seven. It to seven. Just okay. a seven. Yeah, because it's not bad. There, there are there are a few things. I think maybe, again, that could change depending on its um, its continuation, its, its ultimate story. But yeah, I think, no, yeah, I'm going to stick with seven. I'm going to stick with seven. 
Um, I, f- I feel like it feels I, weird. I Sorry, go going, Is that it? Right. I came out of the cinema kind of just a bit jarred of like, where's the rest of it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that kind of that fitting lasted me a lot longer than I thought it would. And I was probably why it's a little bit so low, because even now I'm like, where's the rest of it? That And that's and that's, I think, one of its biggest issues is that it didn't feel like that was great. I'm, I really want more. It felt like, is that it? Yeah. Like it didn't feel because and this is where because at the end of the day, I, you know, uh, not at the end of the day. But anyway, when, when you consider something like The Fellowship, The Fellowship to me still feels like a film. It's still mm-hmm. I, I still would sit down and watch The Fellowship by itself. And even though it's then, OK, I can't wait to see this, the rest of this journey. You know, you still have. Uh, Boromir's death at the end. You still have the big battle with the Urukai. You know, you still um, have different beats. You know, you have, uh, you know, um, the Minds I'm of Moria. Yeah, exactly. So, so you, it feels like a film, a com- somewhat complete film, even though it's only a first installment. Whereas with this, it, it just felt like half a film. It felt like half a film, and 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 I I I want more, and I do want more, but it didn't have that same sense of completion that you get from something like the fellowship so it's yeah that was i left that was i left knowing very little little more than i went in knowing right yes that was another thing as well where you know you feel like the trailers i feel like yeah there wasn't much more than what you get from the trailers yeah. uh, in, in there and it's uh, all just a big prequel but but it's it's an encouraging prequel and and i feel like this is why i, I was going to bring this up because it's just it's funny to me that we're you know giving it the scores that we're giving it and all of that when it, it is, I would much, much, much rather have films like this tr- being made and, 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 and films that are somewhat flawed like this being made and films like Tenet, which I think was very flawed. I'd still much rather have the usual rubbish that goes out there, the usual generic predictable, you know, um, CGI, whatever fests like yeah. that, that, that are out there. This is, this is still a well-crafted film made by someone who is, incredibly passionate about films and who is a very intelligent filmmaker i just i want i want more and i was i was somewhat unsatisfied leaving the cinema so hopefully we get a a good second chapter and hopefully we're sat here reviewing this in two years time saying you know it was worth it and it rounded itself off brilliantly and and yeah but yeah but i think only then will this film prove worth it yeah whilst it makes sense considering it's one story. Yeah. It's a risky play. It is. And it's a risky play considering they hadn't agreed to a second film until after the first one came out. And yeah. that's that's a big bugbear of mine, I think. Yeah. It's a really risky play because if this flopped, this would be a major dent in yeah. Denise's and all the actors kind of thing yeah. of like, uh, like, like John Carter is like the unspoken Disney yeah. film. And that that actor, I don't think, has worked again. This had the level, this had the potential to be as big a flop as that. Yeah. And it was really risky ending the film where it did. You had to have come utter. It's weird. You had to have utter faith to greenlight that ending, having not greenlit the second film. It's sort of ironic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And so. Yeah. No, they are very lucky that it's now it's it's been greenlit for for a second part. If it hadn't, like you say, it would have just been a massive dent in Villeneuve's career, in in all of the actors' careers. It, it, yeah, it would have been a disaster, to yes. say the least. Absolutely. Well, um, 
we could have talked about this for ages, but we we don't want to make a really really long episode and bore yeah. everyone. So thank you very much for coming back to the podcast. It's been an absolute um, pleasure to be back. I hope I hope you've had fun. I'm not sure when what film we'll see you with next. I know there will be some eventually, yes. um, but we will have you of course back for the top ten of the year towards New Year's. Yes. Um, uh, with you compete against my wife is to see who, who can <laughs> guess my top ten films. So that's gonna be very interesting. And so if we don't see you before then, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That's all for today, and we'll see you in the next one. See you in the next one. Bye. Dun, dun. Thank you so much for listening today, and hope you really enjoyed this review. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for details of new episodes. See you in the next one.